This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, these are your words. As challenging as they might be, we pray that our hearts would be open up to them. That we might take them in, that we might be informed by them. And because of that, be better people. All these things we pray, amen. If you don't like the weather in Indiana, wait a few minutes, it'll change. Of course, I heard this for the first time in Indiana and thought it was funny. True, but funny. And eventually I've heard this common saying in North Carolina and Florida, but I don't care what they say in Florida, the weather does not change down there. It is hot and it's clingy, always. My mom and dad taught me the old weather adage or predictor, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. And I didn't appreciate that one until a few years ago when I was standing on the bridge of a warship staring at this big, massive, beautiful red sunset and thanking God at the end of the day during the night for a peaceful night's sleep. There are all kinds of other old-timey predictors, right? Uh, When you see green leaves on trees turning, or when you see cows lying down in the field, it's going to be rainy. One I just learned this week, and it was because of a picture that my wife had posted on, on Facebook, that the number of foggy mornings in August equals the number of wintry days, or snowy days in the winter. As soon as I learned that, I I tried to rack my brain on the past days in August, and and I didn't get past two, so hopefully that's good, I don't don't know. How many of you can predict bad weather by how sore your joints are? In February, Puxatawney Phil is the most loved or hated weather predictor. And I just remembered down in the office this morning about one that I loosely remember and I recall standing in, the, in a field, uh, across from a field in Sullivan, Indiana near Fairbanks. We had some family friends down there and we were, we were picking up Simmons off the ground, persimmons, and they say if you open up one of those and there's a spoon, a knife, or a fork, something's going to happen in the weather. I didn't completely understand that one at the time. And then my absolute favorite one is the unusual number of frizzy-headed women that walk around in the, in the day when it's really, really humid. <laughs> Frizzy, what's that? I'm good to go. I'm not a good weather predictor of humidity. frizzy hairdos and the testy women under them let me know that the humidity level is cursed. Or or at least the humidity level has been cursed all morning. But for real, we we can do a bit of accurate weather forecasting by looking at the shapes of the clouds, how fast they're traveling, what color they look like, in what direction they're going. And the one thing that we can't use to predict the weather is the meteorologist. 
People everywhere and in every culture have their own predictors. And in Luke, we learn that clouds in the west that were coming in off of the sea brought rain. And then when there was wind coming up from the south, from the desert, there was a scorching heat. Jesus called the crowd hypocrites for being able to predict the weather and for not being able to understand what was going on around them. The crowd that had gathered had access to the synagogues. It had access to all of the rabbis that were teaching. It had access to the law. They could probably recite the law. Surely they must have heard from the prophets that the Messiah was coming, and even more specifically, the time of tribulation was about to happen when they saw certain events take place. Luke, in the beginning of this chapter, and all through this chapter, wrote about a time when their community would be harassed and suffer at the hands of both the Romans and the leaders of the synagogue. When greed would consume everyone, when the community would be anxious and lazy, and when the family began to break apart. All of these things were happening to the Jews, and yet they seemed to carry on with life like there was nothing happening. Despite the predictors that should have easily identified the arrival of the Messiah, they ignored them and figured that they would order their lives around the clouds and the winds. Is Jesus calling us Hoosiers hypocritical too? I would say that the idea of predicting the weather that Luke uses is one example of how we as Christians shape what we do every day. We take information from all kinds of different sources, some trustworthy, some probably pretty flimsy, and then we behave accordingly. We look at the news and learn that the Dow dropped 800 points and that everyone should be nervous of a recession, so we pull our monies out of the market and go into a recession. Our gas gauges predict the level of our gas in our cars. We can heed its prediction and pull over, get some gas, and carry on down the road, or we don't have to heed the the prediction and we end up stranded along the side of the road. I can hear Jesus reprimanding us because despite our ability to take in all these cues that direct our lives, we're we're still witnessing the cues that matter the most, the cues that are life-changing, that are life-saving, and we're ignoring them. We've experienced the Messiah in our times and in our lives just like the Jews had, and we still fail to do anything about it. As hypocritical Hoosiers, we're adept at reading the signs that we think are important and then shape our daily activities around it. But we've stuck our heads in the sand when it comes to recognizing the signs that demand our spiritual and faithful responses, responses that should be ordering our daily lives. I would say that the signs on which we should be focused are very similar to Luke's audience. Still being harassed 
and suffering at the hands of governments. Some would say foreign, some would say domestic, some would say all of the above. Our society is still greedy and anxious and lazy, and our families are still breaking up because family members are choosing other aspects of their lives to be more important than their own family members. So how do we not be hypocrites? Nobody wants to be a hypocrite, right? I think the best answer to this can be found in Luke verses 52 and 53. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three, and then it goes on to describe the the tension between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, and a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. These relationships, the relationships described in Luke, the family relationships were fundamental to successful living because they represented a life cycle of care and love. The old would raise and care for the young until such a time that the young would take over caring and loving for the older. It was mutually caring and loving. It was a covenant, a promise to each other that they would always have each other's backs, no matter what. This type of division in the family was a breach, a breach in that sacred covenant. Living in and through and with a deep, deep commitment to one another was divine. For Luke, the breach of covenantal living in all aspects of life was a sign for God's people that they needed to do something to prepare for, to order their lives on what was happening, what was about to happen. Governments and their people are breaking their covenantal promises to each other. When you see this, be prepared. People in a covenant relationship with each other, with other people, and don't act like it, when this happens, do something. When someone in the covenant takes more without ever reciprocating, they are greedy. When someone in the covenant relationship demands something of the other who cannot offer it, it's filled with anxiety. When someone in a covenant relationship decides to give up on the hard work that goes into a relationship, that person is lazy. When a family member chooses another part of life over other family members, that family bond begins to break down. Those are the signs of the times for Jesus in Luke's community, and I believe they're the same thing for our community. Relationships that reach into all aspects of our community are damaged, are they not? And because Jesus has called us out, we have to respond. We have to understand them and then order our lives accordingly until our own day of judgment. How do we do that? Think of all the relationships of which you are a part that run the gamut. Friends, neighbors, church members, part of a family, you have colleagues, 
Those are all pretty familiar. But we also have a relationship with the poor and the needy and the hungry and the addicted, the stranger. We have a relationship with the marginalized. Those are less familiar, but no less important. I believe Jesus has challenged us this morning by asking us to think about all these relationships and to determine if all of them, some of them, none of them, are covenantal relationships. The scriptural challenge for us this morning, then, is to take those relationships that we know are not what they're supposed to be or what they should be and make them that way. Enter into a covenantal relationship with them. Make a promise, a pinky promise even, that you will hold them up and make them equals to you. Make sure that they know you will always have their backs no matter what. Treat every single one of them with respect and care and honor them and love them. Jesus did. He looked at you and me and said, I love you. I love you and he promised to always love you. His love and that promise has changed us. If you have a relationship, any relationship that is less than that, then stop being hypocritical, get after it, and make it right. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, it's a big challenge. Because sometimes we come across people that we just don't like. We come across people and are in relationships that challenge us, that make us not want to be your people. Right here and right now, take those out of our hearts and replace them with you so that we might always love them, that we might always care for them, and help us do what is right to make that relationship right. All these things we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.